Hi, I'm Billy Jackson, and I've got a story to tell. If I told you my story, I was born into a Christian home to Christian parents. The church was always a good part of my life, and seems like we were there every time the doors were open as I was growing up. I was not a bad kid, but I knew I needed Jesus in my heart in a special way. When I was in the third grade, during a sermon, the pastor had a story of a young girl who was at church and told her friends that she'd like to be a Christian, but she wasn't ready to make the commitment at that time. She died on her way home from church that night in a car accident. That story impacted me, and I uh, prayed right then in church to accept Jesus as my Savior and was later baptized. When I was uh, about 45, I began to have some doubts about my salvation and my walk with the Lord. I was doing all the right things. I was living a good life, going to church, doing all the church things, but I just felt something was missing. I decided then that I needed to make sure of my salvation and make sure things were right. And it wasn't but just a couple of months later, I publicly rededicated my life and was baptized again. At that moment, I knew for a certain that if anything happened to me, that I would spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. There was not a doubt in my mind about it. No matter what's happened to me in my life since then, in my heart, I felt like someone that really loved me was giving me a great big hug and that neither one of us wanted it to end. This is my story. This is my song. I said, I love that statement Billy makes at the end when he, when he says he feels like God's giving him a big old hug and he doesn't want it to end. Isn't that a great statement? And that's the kind of relationship God wants each of us to have with him. But what did you learn about Billy's story from that brief video? Did you learn anything about his life and his relationship with Jesus Christ? We learned that uh, he was raised in a Christian family that attended church faithfully. He was always at church. We learned that uh, he accepted Christ as his Savior at an early age because of a, of a sermon and a story that a preacher told. We learned that he was baptized uh, at a young age and continued to be faithful, attending church, serving the church, doing all the right things. But when he was in his mid-40s, he had a, a season when he was just filled with doubt, just some uncertainty about his relationship with Christ, whether or not he was really saved and would go to heaven uh, when he died. But he didn't ignore that. He did something about it. And in fact, what he didn't tell you, I remember having a conversation with Billy about that, but he rededicated his life to the Lord. He was baptized again. And uh, since then, he knows for certain that everything's okay between him and God, that Jesus is his Savior, and that if he dies, he'll go to heaven. And then he closed with that statement about that big bear hug. So let me ask you again, did you learn anything about Billy Jackson and his relationship with Christ through that, through that video, through his story? Yeah. And I want you to notice, he told all of that in 2 minutes, 40 seconds. A lot of what we're trying to do this month is help us as believers understand that because we are followers of Christ, we have a story that can speak to people. God can use it to make a difference in their lives. We also want to work hard at preparing ourselves to tell that story clearly and succinctly and as effectively as we can possibly Tell it. And the truth is, when you're sharing your testimony, when you're sharing your story, what you're really doing is telling about your experience with Jesus Christ. It's sort of like somebody goes to court as a witness and they get on the witness stand. And what do they do? They describe what they saw. They describe what they heard. They describe what happened. 
That's what you and I do when we share our story, our salvation story, our life with Christ with other people. Let me tell you what I've experienced. Let me tell you what it was like. Let me tell you my history. Let me tell you my journey. Let me share with you what Christ means to me and how he's made a difference in my life. And that's exactly what the Bible says we're supposed to do. I love what the Apostle John, when he was an old man, wrote in the book of 1 John in our New Testament, chapter 1, verse 3. He said, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. John said, everything I'm writing in this book are things that I saw Jesus do, things I heard Jesus say. And that's what we do when we share our story. Let me tell you what I've seen. Let me tell you what I've heard, what I've experience sometimes we make it too complicated when in reality it is that simple and one of uh, the verses we've been talking about this this month is our theme verse psalm 107 verse 2 what does that verse say let the redeemed of the lord do what all right about half of you are there so the rest of you let's let's see if we can do it again let the redeemed of the lord now with a little more umph, a little more enthusiasm let the redeemed of the lord let the redeemed of the lord Even more, let the redeemed of the Lord. All right, when was the last time you said so to someone who was lost? Why? Why has it been so long? That's one of the reasons we're having this focus is to help us say so more often than we're saying so right now and to help us do it effectively because people need to hear that Jesus is still in the business of making a difference in someone's life. And your life can be an illustration of that war, of that, of that reality and, and your words can help them understand what he's done in your life and what he can do in their life. So it's very important that we learn how to do this. Now, I want you to open your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 8 because one of my favorite stories in the New Testament about a person who became a believer, one of my favorite salvation stories, if you will, is found in this chapter. Now, if you've gone to church much, you're familiar with this story. It's about Philip, who was one of the first deacons and a, and a, a government official from Ethiopia riding in a chariot. When we read this story, normally we focus on it from the perspective of Philip. You know, the Christian, because he's sort of the, the main character in the story. So let's, let's look at it today and see what God can teach us about sharing our story. The book of Acts, chapter 8, Philip and some others have been in Samaria, which is north of Jerusalem. Now they're traveling south, back down toward Jerusalem, and we pick the story up in verse 26. The Bible says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. It's... He was to move past Jerusalem, keep going south, and over toward the coast to the Gaza Road, a desert road that actually was the main highway to Egypt. And so in verse 27, he got up and he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Maybe he was an IRS official or something. And I don't I hope they didn't have the IRS back there in Ethiopia, but nonetheless... Um, he, he, he's taking care of the money for the queen of Ethiopia, and he's, in, he's, he's, uh, he's on that highway. And it says he had come up to Jerusalem to worship at the end of verse 27. Now look at verse 28. He was returning. He was going back home to Ethiopia, sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join his chariot. 
So Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, now how could I unless someone guides me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation, for his life is removed from the earth? He's actually reading from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8, and he's reading, reading it not in the Hebrew but in the Greek because this is an exact copy of the Greek Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. So we know exactly what he's reading. And in verse 34, the eunuch, the Ethiopian, answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from the scripture, from the one he was reading, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot, the the Ethiopian ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they, they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. And as I said, many of you have heard that story before. You've read it, you've heard it preached on, you've heard it in Sunday school class. But usually we focus on it from the perspective of Philip the Christian who did the witnessing. I want to flip it today. And I want to think about it for just a few moments from the perspective of the Ethiopian. And uh, if he was here today, and let's just imagine I'm him, okay? And he, and I'm going to do it for him, tell his story. He'd probably say something like this. You know, I'm a government official in Ethiopia. I'm over the treasury, the money for the government, the budget. And through my work as a government employee, I've met Jews and heard about their religion, and it's intriguing to me, and I wanted to know more about it. So I traveled up to Jerusalem, maybe it was on a business trip, and um, to learn more about their faith, and while I was there, I worshiped at their temple, and I picked up a Greek copy of part of their holy book. And after my business was done, it was time to go back home. I'm riding the chariot with my entourage, and I'm reading that portion of the holy book, but I'm struggling because I don't understand anything I'm reading. And all of a sudden, I noticed there was this man running up to my chariot. And I guess he heard me reading out loud from that holy book because he asked me, do you understand what you're reading? And I I told him, no, I, I can't. How can I unless somebody helps me? And so I invited him to come up and ride with me. And... He saw what I was reading, and, and I asked him, who is this author talking about himself or someone else? And he started telling me, he started explaining to me what that passage in their holy book was talking about. And explained to me how it was talking about this man named Jesus who came, he's the son of God, and he came and, 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 and he taught people how to have a relationship with God, and he never sinned, and all of a sudden, he was persecuted. And when they were beating him and, and putting him on that cross, no matter what they said against him or about him, no matter what accusation they hurled at him, he was silent. And he said, this man died for me. 
and he paid for my sins. And he went on to tell me all about Jesus. And, and, and this funny thing happened. As he was telling me, I started believing it. I started feeling something on the inside. And, 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 I, and I believed it. I believe this, this Jesus that he's talking about is the Christ, the promised Savior, the promised Messiah. As we're riding along and talking about this, and now I'm a believer I see a small pool of water over here, and I'm a- I ask him, can I be baptized? And we get out of the chariot, and we go down to the water, and he baptizes me. And as soon as we come up out of the water, suddenly he's gone. I don't know what happened, but he just disappeared, vanquished, vanished. But I, di- I didn't care. I was so happy. And I just got back in the chariot, and I, and I rejoiced and was happy and smiled the rest of the way home. See, his story... Even though the details are different, his story is similar to every other believer's story. If if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, his story is similar to your story. His story is similar to the Apostle Paul's story we looked at last Sunday that he tells about his life before he met Jesus Christ. He, He was a government official, learned about Judaism, was interested in going to Jerusalem to worship, picked up a, a copy in the Greek language of part of their holy book and was in the chariot going back home reading from their holy book, but not understanding it. Just like the Apostle Paul's story, he has that middle section to his story, when he became a Christian, how he met Jesus Christ. And, and he describes it by saying there was this man who was there, and, and, he, and he asked me, do I understand what I'm reading? And I said, no. And so he explained it to me. And, it, and as he explained it to me, it made sense and answered my questions. And I became a believer. And, and that's how I came to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And just like Paul's story last week, the Ethiopian government official briefly describes his life after that. Not a lot of detail, but what does he say? After I believed, I got baptized. I didn't wait. I was ready to take my public stand, and I was happy. And and for the rest of my trip home, I rejoiced. I was excited. I was happy. All my questions had been answered, and I felt differently. Your story has those those same three components to it if you're a follower of Christ. Your life before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and your life since Jesus. And again, our theme verse tells us that the redeemed of the Lord are supposed to do what? Say so. Now, listen. This man was redeemed. The Apostle Paul, whom we looked at last Sunday, was redeemed. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you also have been redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? Do you know? I mean, if you grew up in Baptist churches, we we sang hymns about the Redeemer. Today we sing new choruses and new songs about the Redeemer. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What does it mean to be redeemed? The word literally means to be purchased back. It was used of maybe a, a slave or someone who had been taken into captivity in war and someone purchased their freedom, purchased them back. And spiritually what it means is that in our sin, as people who are lost, as we saw a few weeks ago, you and I, every person who's lost without Jesus, are under the domain, under the dominion of Satan. Not in the family of God, in the family of the evil one. And on the cross, 
Jesus paid a price. And when you and I believe and commit our lives to him, he redeems us. He purchases us from the domain of the evil one and we become a part of the kingdom of God. It means he purchases us our freedom, if you will, from the eternal consequences of sin. Forgiveness means that we are free from having to pay for our sin forever in death and in hell. And so if Christ is your Lord, Christ is your Savior, on that cross when he died, when he bled, he purchased you. When you become a believer, he owns you. You've been redeemed. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Tell people that Christ now owns you, that he has set you free from the consequences of your sin eternally, and that he's transformed your life. That, that's, that's really what it is. It's, it's what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced. We tell people. We tell people about our redemption and the difference Jesus makes in our lives. And so I have a story. You have a story. And, and though the details vary, the pattern the pattern is the same. And this is something we should, we should want to talk about. I, I remember, you remember what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23? He said, you shall love the Lord your God how? How, church? With all, your, with all your heart? How many of you have ever said to that beautiful lady, I love you with all my... Huh? You ever said that, guys? I love you with all my... How many of you parents ever said to your kids, I love you with all... You ever said that? You ever, grandparents, you ever said that to your grandkids? Love the Lord your God how? With all your heart, with all your mind, with your total, total being. Now let me ask you, have you noticed how we enjoy talking about things and people we love, we care about? Now, Friday night... Here at the church, we had the prayer event for our impact conference. Monisa and I came up to pray with some from her Sunday school class, and we walk in. Just before we go into the area, area where, we're, where we're going to pray, out in the lobby, see Kathy Troutman. Kathy, are you in this service right now? Wave at me if you are. I saw them earlier today somewhere. I don't know if they're in this one or not. Well, anyhow, saw Kathy Troutman. Now, she and Roger are big Clemson fans. I'm a Kentucky fan, okay? I'm, I'm not a Clemson fan. I'm not a South Carolina fan. I'm, I'm a Kentucky fan. She's a Clemson fan. But she and I were both happy Friday night. She was happy because Clemson had beaten Louisville Thursday night, right? She loves Clemson. She was happy. I was happy because as a Kentucky fan, I was happy they'd beaten Louisville. I mean, I want Louisville to lose to the Russians. I don't care. Sort of the way you Gamecocks and Tigers talk to each other. I just lose, lose, lose. That's what that L stands for, lose. Okay, and so I got my love. She's got her love. And what do we do? We talk about, you ever, you ever talk about things you like a lot, huh? You ever talk about sports? You ever talk about things you care about, you're passionate about? After the prayer event, Monisa and I went to dinner with David and Sandra Harmon, spent about an hour and a half together over dinner at one of the local restaurants. And we talked about a lot of different things. But in that hour and a half, you know, one of the things we talked about were our kids. Does that surprise any of you who've got kids? Why? You talk about the things you care about, right? You talk about the things you love. When was the last time you talked to a lost person about Jesus? What does that, what does that, what does that say to us? 
What does that say about us? Has our love grown stale? Have we become more religious and more churchy than having a relationship with Him? Is that why we don't talk about Him? Don't share our story of what He's done in our lives? But you see, I I think that brings us maybe to one of the issues that really does keep us from talking about Jesus a lot because he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And, 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 the, and the truth is, I, I think there's many of us who love Jesus, but we know our love for him is not what it should be. And because our love for him isn't what it should be, we just keep quiet. I've, I've really enjoyed this week reading stories. I've read several of you have submitted your testimonies, your stories, and me and the other pastors have been reading those and offering suggestions and stuff. And I've gotten to know some people in ways I didn't know before. And that's been a real blessing to me, so thank you for that. Um, there's, there's one man in our church I've been getting to know, and he's becoming a friend. I'm, I'm learning more about his story, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm helping him write his story. I'll just call him Al, Okay. Raised in a Christian home, accepted Christ at an early age, and uh, married and raised his family and active in church. You get the picture? And after 25 years of marriage, his marriage ends. And there's divorce. And he spends the next two decades struggling spiritually. Can I read you just part of one paragraph from his story. He said, after his marriage ended, here's what he wrote, I drifted away from Jesus and spent the next 23 years searching for happiness and satisfaction in relationships and other activities that I knew were a disgrace to my religious upbringing. I was living a lifestyle that I knew was not pleasing to my family and eventually I became sick and tired of living this kind of life. Now, do those few brief words paint a picture? Hmm. Do you have a sense of what was going on in his life? And he didn't have to tell you every detail to paint that picture, did he? You get his story. Some of you are living that story. That's where some of you are right now. That's the reason I've said when we share our stories, God can use it to help other people because they can relate to it in ways that we don't always understand. But God always knows. Then a couple of years ago, he rededicated his life to the Lord and is growing. And one of the things he said I like, he said, I do have great joy and peace. That's the nail, okay? That's the nail. That's the nail. See, your story, details are different than mine, but it's your story. It's about your experience in life and your experience with Christ. God can use it. And and maybe if you're saved as a young child, 
more of your story will focus on all the years since because you were, I was seven, maybe you were six, maybe you were 13, maybe you were like these young girls who were baptized. You made your decision young, so your story, most of it is, is, is all about after Christ. And maybe your story is, you know, the truth is, I lived all these decades, not perfect, but faithful. And I've learned a lot of great things that God has taught me. I, I can tell you some great things about the Lord. Or maybe your story is like his story. You lived for him for a while and then you got away because of the way life happens. And you're, but, but see, whatever your story is, it's your story, your experience with Christ, and God can use it. If you do what the Old Testament says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And there are people who will hear his story and God will help them through his story. But none if he doesn't say so and none if you don't say so. But, see, sometimes we know our love's not what it was. Let me ask you a question about Al, the story I just read. Do you think Al was more excited to talk about Jesus during those 23 years when he was straying from Jesus or today now that he's that he's, so to speak, right with God and things are getting better in his life spiritually. When, when, which, which of those seasons do you think he was more excited to talk about Jesus? So I think the reason some of us aren't writing our testimony and aren't learning how to tell our story and don't tell our story is because maybe, just maybe, you're in a season of life where your love is coming up really short and you feel bad, you feel guilty. And you feel like a hypocrite. Now some of us beat ourselves up too much because we're living a faithful life, but it's not a, a perfect life. And we think we have to be perfect before we can share our story, which is not the case. But what if you're one that you're, you're saying, you know, pastor, the truth is, there's some public sin in my life. There's some, there's some big issues in my life, and people know I'm not living for the Lord. And, and, and if, I, if I did tell my story, nobody would listen because they would, they would laugh at me because they know I'm, I'm messing up royally. What, what do you do if you're in that season? Because you're supposed to give a witness for the Lord but if your lifestyle is preventing you from doing that, what do you do? Well, here's what you do. You agree with God and stop arguing with God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins. Do you know what the word confess means? Literally in the Greek, it means to speak or say the same thing. To say the same thing that God says about something. Confessing is more than acknowledging what you have done. Confessing is deeper than that. It is acknowledging what you have done, but it's agreeing with God about what you have done is saying the same thing God says about what you have done. That's confessing, agreeing with God, that, God, you're right, and I'm not going to argue with you anymore. And, God, 
You say it's wrong. You say it's a sin. I agree. It was wrong. It's not, I'm sorry that it hurt somebody. God, it was wrong. It's sin. And with that attitude, with that heart, God, forgive me. That's what it means to confess sins. And and, and if you're in a season of life as a follower of Jesus where your lifestyle is keeping you from sharing your story, that's what you need to do. Agree with God. Confess your sin. Agree with God. Confess it. Turn from it. And that verse says that God will be faithful to do what? I love the rest of it, don't you? Faithful and righteous to do what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I got to tell you, I love those tied stain sticks. I, I have to keep those with me all the time, okay? My tie, my shirt, you know, whatever, pants. I love those things. I go through, you know, quite a few of them. So when I buy, I buy in bulk. They've saved some of my outfits. And and, and some of you are still beating yourself up because of the past. That stains there and, 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 and it's making you feel ugly about life. And the the forgiveness of Jesus we receive when we confess is better than a tied stain stick. It cleanses us. God does not want you to live in the past because you can't do anything well today if you're stuck in the past. And if God forgives when we genuinely confess, why would we want to hold on to that sin when God has let go of it, forgiven it, and cleansed it? What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is if the quality of your love for Jesus has been such that you're silent and not talking about him, You need to fix that right now. Because the redeemed of the Lord are supposed to say so. And and just as your public sin is keeping you from saying so, your public sin will keep people from wanting to listen to you as well. So you need to fix it by confessing it. Now, again, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. None of us are. But we have to be real. And I I want you to submit your story so we can help you. I want you to go to our church website, fbcrockhill.org. And one of the the, uh, images you'll see on the homepage on the rotator is about a story to tell. And you click and it'll take you to that page with instructions about submitting your story. And down to the bottom of that page is a blank space for you to submit your story. You can type it in there or you can copy and paste it there. Many of you have done that already, and I want to encourage others of you to do that. Then one of our pastors will read it and reply to you with some suggestions 
And, and I'm going to say something. When we reply with suggestions, we're not being critical of you or your story. We're trying to help you tell your story, giving you ideas for how you could tell your story, parts that you could elaborate on, parts that maybe, hey, you could, won't you consider leaving this out and focusing here, and how do you get it, get it down? And by the way, the testimony that I read part of to, to you a moment ago, and, and uh, it's going to go up here. We've got all these testimonies up here, and, and I want your testimony up here. But when, when, when I first heard Al's story, he and I were talking. We were, it was, it was, we, were, we were talking. It took him about 15 minutes to tell me his story. First time he wrote it, his first draft, it was longer than this. His story right now is, I've got it written down here, is 234 words. Great job. That means he can tell it in two and a half minutes. That's what we want to help you be able to do. And so when we reply, that's what we're doing. We're, try, we're, we're trying to, to help you do a good job sharing your story so you'll be comfortable. Now, I want to give you some goals, and these are in your, in your note sheet. One is in two weeks, October 4, by then, between now and then, I want to encourage you, challenge you to, to have the final draft of your story complete. That means you need to go ahead and submit a first draft right away, okay? So by October 4, two weeks, have the final draft of your story, of your testimony. So get busy this afternoon if you haven't done anything yet. And I want to put your story on this wall. My, my goal is by October 4, you can't see any brown space, okay? It's all paper. Because here's the thing. Those of us who do this are more likely to tell our story to people who need to hear it. So I want to encourage you to do, to do that. And I want to encourage you to get really good at telling your story. And here's how you'll get good at knowing it, okay? It's not enough just to write it. You, I want you, to, I want you to, to just get it so ingrained in you, you can, you can spit it out in a heartbeat anywhere to anyone. And one of the things you'll need to do to do that is once you get it written, read it out loud, verbatim, more than once a day, for 30 days in a row. Read it out loud, verbatim. Stand in front of a mirror. Read it to your wife, your husband, whomever. Out loud, more than once a day for 30 days in a row. And then I want to encourage you in two weeks, October 4, that afternoon, to attend an evangelism workshop here because I've got a friend coming who's going to lead that workshop, and it will help you know how do you take your story and use it in evangelism? How do you start a conversation? How do you, after you tell your story, end it and ask someone else if they'd like to know how they could have a relationship with Christ, how to work all of that into an evangelistic conversation? So that's what the, the evangelism workshop is. It's free. So put it on your calendar, plan to be here that Sunday that Sunday evening. And then the, also in October 4, we're going to have some T-shirts. We want you to pick up a T-shirt. Then October 11, wear your T-shirt. And on October 11, invite people who don't know Christ, people who don't go to church, to come to church because in the service that Sunday, we're going to talk about story and encourage people to have a conversation about it and make people think about whether or not they have a story, they have a relationship with Christ, and make it easy for you to have a follow-up conversation with them, whether it's at lunch that day or another time that week. 
and just help you. We're going to do everything we can to set the table to make it easier for you to have a conversation with people that God's put on your heart. A lot more we could say, but that's it. I'm going to wrap up with this. Going back to Acts chapter 8, the, the Ethiopian government official and Philip, let me ask you a question. Who started, who initiated that conversation between the two of them? Who started the conversation? It was Philip, the Christian, not the eunuch. The eunuch was riding in his chariot, reading that holy book out loud. Philip goes up to him. Philip speaks first. He asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Questions are a great way to begin an evangelistic conversation. That's what this workshop will help you with. Because, you know, some people who are in church all their life say, you know, my life is my witness. I'm I'm going to do good deeds and be a good person and a good Christian, and that's my witness. And if somebody asks me, I'll answer. So if somebody asks me, why I live the way I do, I'll tell them about Jesus. Well, let me ask you another question. When was the last time somebody looked at how you were living and asked you to tell them about Jesus because they knew he was the reason? When was the last time that happened? Just because of the way you lived. Hmm? When was, has, has that ever happened? Just because of the way you live. And it looks like that strategy is not very effective do you have to live the right way yes but hardly anyone is ever going to ask you about it if all you do is live but never talk that's the reason Philip initiated the conversation and it's the reason Psalm 107 verse 2 says let the redeemed of the Lord do what say so We want to help you say so. And you know the other thing? It ends up being a lot of fun. (laughs) It really does. Let's stand. Father, help us in these brief moments together to draw closer to you and to do what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.